Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for a spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Every moment and every person who steps into your world has a gift for you, and you have a gift for them. How can you learn to embrace the smallest of encounters to inspire you to take action, change your life, and help you reconnect to your oneness? My guest today is Kathy Anello, and she's here to share tools for loving your life and living for today. Are you ready to meet her? Kathy Anello is an author, certified healer, and inspirational speaker. Her passion for spirituality and emotional health evolved naturally through her career in fitness and mind-body instruction. When Kathy shed conditioned ways of living and began to trust her inner guidance, it led her to joy and simplicity of life. Her new book is Six Months to Live. You can find out more about Kathy at kathyanello.com, and you can follow her blog on self-love, family love, and global issues. Kathy, welcome to Out of the Fog. Oh, thank you. That was such a great introduction. Um, I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. Can you share with the listeners as we're getting started here just a little bit about your journey? What happened to you that inspired you to write Six Months to Live? I love this question because, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so really what happened was, you know, my whole life, I just kind of went with the program as far as, you know, work, getting married, having kids, being a mom, all the things that are normal in your life. And at this particular time, I was, uh, had already been divorced a long time and I was working and taking care of my kids and just really on autopilot for many years. And then I was working in a company for 15 years during this time, and it was a beautiful job. I loved it. And then a person started working there that was very toxic. And it was one of those situations where you had to grapple with your integrity on what was right as far as allowing to either seeing people being treated bad in the workplace or seeing it, you know, in all areas of your life and what you turn your head up and what you don't. And when I finally started speaking up about it, I really became his target. As that went evolved, I sucked it up because I knew that that was tied around my job, which was tied around my family life, which was tied around so many things. And then when I finally couldn't take it anymore, I remember I was sitting in my office and I was crying and I having like sort of an anxiety attack. And I really just heard this higher voice, and this is really when I started to recognize that there was something higher power about life. You know, like I've always kind of known it, and I've always been slightly spiritual, but this was really just an awakening. And so what happened is I heard a voice that asked me, if you only had six months to live, would you be living this way? And it was almost like a chuckle, like, no. And I remember going to Twitter, and I wrote, I got on Twitter, which is where I kind of used to hide my emotions and feelings because I was, I had strangers following me and I wrote, I don't know how I'm going to live. Hashtag. I only know how I'm not going to live. Mm-hmm. Like it was at that moment that I knew I couldn't go on in the life that I was living. So I spoke up and I talked about what was happening in my work environment. 
and I got fired shortly after. Mm. So it was like one of those things where you're like, you know, you want to speak up and you want to do the right thing, but there's always kind of a grave consequence. And during that time I had been journaling. So I ended up having like a year off and I explored the possibility of writing um, just to, for creative writing and just to get it out of my system. And I went to a writer's workshop where I got to enter into this contest. And so I was like, what am I going to write about? You know, and then all of a sudden it was like, uh, you have something to write about. So I really just then not having time to work and not having to work anymore because I was off work during this time. I just kind of lived six months like what would I do? If I only had six months, what was going to be important to me? What subjects come up for me that I would want to address? And so that's kind of how the book happened. You said something there. I want, I'm just going to go back to that for a second. You said that you spoke up and then there were grave consequences. One of the things I learned from reading your book is, of course, there are also grave consequences if you had kept living the way that you were living. If you had not spoken up, there's consequences either way. Absolutely. For me, it was my health. And then it was also, um, you know, there was parts of my life that aren't even in the book that I kept hidden. So I was constantly in turmoil on so many levels of my life that now I can look back on after the book's published, after sort of exposure in other areas of my life coming out this year, that I can look back and just be like, wow, like how do you do it? You just endure. But I feel so clean and clear and normal now that I can't even imagine that I live that way. It's so hard. So what would you say to listeners who maybe are in a similar toxic situation? If, if you are somebody who lets people walk all over you, maybe it's because you think you have to because it's tied to your work and your family and your, or if you just are, are that way, how can you shift that pattern? Uh, that is the million-dollar question. I think for me, I was that person who was able to, A, look at the bright side and kind of forget the bad sides of all things and, Sometimes that's been my greatest detriment and my greatest asset. But uh, my advice now, having gone through so many of these situations and patterns in my life, would be cold turkey, make a change. <laughs> you just have to go cold turkey because of any other way, it, it, it doesn't happen. If I hadn't had grave consequences like getting fired and most recently some of the things that happened that will come out in other times in my life in a book, but... Uh, I would not be as happy as I am. But now I would go back and say, make those choices when you know they're true for you instead of enduring and tolerating and, you know, sweeping under the rug and walking on eggshells in your life. Because now that I don't have to do that, I can't believe how happy I can be. So. The That idea, it's very kind of common to say how we're, all connected, but it sounds to me like you were able to, even if you are still connected energetically to that toxic person, boy, did you shift the quality and nature of that connection. Yeah. Definitely. What did doing this work teach you about your other connections and personal relationships, healing, um, being mindful and maybe looking for where healing is needed in personal relationships? Well, hmm. what it really, what this experience did for me was cherish the relationships that light me up. So I was really able to, and even most recently, just sort of discern who brings me down and who lights me up. And it's been really energetically easy. I'm more of a match your energy person, you know, like, so I kind of can match up with that person's energy. And if they bring me light, then we're having the light time and life is good. And if they're bringing me down, then 
there's nobody happy in the room. You know, I have that now, that differential that I sh- it shifts for me so easily that I'm like, I don't want this in my life. Like, done. It's, it's very simple for me now. Wasn't always. So what do you do when in those personal relationships or in your life that that heavier stuff does come in? How do you handle that now in a way that's different than you might have before? Well, if it's somebody that I don't want to lose, I will walk through the fire. You know, I'll just sit down and hash it out and hash out feelings and hash out, you know, get to the core. But if it's somebody that has caused me more distress than joy, I'm okay with just saying we don't need to even hash this out. Like, it's just not energetically working. And I, yeah, it's pretty easy for me now. I'm hearing you say this is making me really smile and it's making me think about my own connections in a different way. What I'm hearing you say is that we are all connected, but those connections don't have to be as up close and in your face and tugging on you and pulling you down and dragging you down. There's all different kinds of all different ways of being connected to all that is. You don't have to carry the toxic guy. And in fact, you don't have to really carry anybody you don't want to carry. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think, you know, there's obviously heartstrings are always involved and especially with your personal relationships. But in retrospect, now, as I look back to some of the personal relationships I actually let go of this year that I never thought I would, you know, in a lot of people, few people, uh, I was like, if they weren't meant to leave my life, would they have, you know, like that's where I go into this sort of everything is connected you know, by a dot to dot, because if they were meant to be in my life, they would be, but they're not anymore. So mm. I have to go with what's true for me in front of my face today. And maybe that's a big part of the six months to live idea. What is true for me in front of my face today? What is being in the 100%. present moment? Tell me, right. What can I learn from how I feel now? Not how I'm supposed to feel or someone else is telling me I'm supposed to feel, but what can I learn? How do I live from that connection I have right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the six months to live theory is fascinating in the way that we all don't know what's going to happen. Like I today, I don't ever watch the news, but I was trying to get the Super Bowl hype from yesterday because I was pretty attached to the game. And uh, so I turned on the news this morning and I had like five different stories of people who, you know, like a plane crashed into a house in Southern California this morning. I'm like, and it killed three people. And I was Mm. like, that is it. Like, You never know what's going to happen. So I like to live my life now like, oh, my God, well, if that was going to happen, I hope I told my daughter I loved her last night when I hung up the phone. Or I sent out that text to that person that was important to me today so that if something happens to me, you know, it's like you live your life like with six months to live, but it could be six seconds. So I really think that it's an upper level way of living in the sense that you don't know And you want to make sure that what's important to you, what's bringing you joy, who's important to you, who's lighting you up is all in some aspect of your everyday, even if it's only for five minutes of that day, because we are so busy in our lives. So just sometimes five minutes of joy with that one person that lights you up is enough. Well, and it's funny because we put up some with so much nonsense because we think that's what's keeping us safe. It's almost like if we build a big enough box, I have this job, this relationship, I don't argue, I try to keep things quiet. It's almost like we can keep ourselves here longer when, of course, that time, those consequences, that connection, all that time is running no matter what we do with it. And so yeah. why not? Why not be present with it. It's, it is funny the way we devise those little baffles for ourselves to kind of keep ourselves blind. I agree. 
I just try every day to go, what's going to you know, light me up today? And I try to do one thing or two things that really light me up. And sometimes it's just listening to a song three times that makes me happy. I love I love that. For me, it's um, well, there are many things for me because I was sort of raised that although I could have good things, you had to wait till it was really the time to have the good things. You don't want to use it up too early. Right. So, for example, we had the polar vortex. I have beautiful, fluffy socks that I got for Christmas. I wanted to wear those socks. But my that old voice inside of me is like, it's not cold enough yet to wear those socks. You got to wait till you really need those socks to wear them. If you wear them now, you're not going to have them when you need them. They'll be in the laundry and you're not going to. And and the part of me that was clued in was like, it is. 35 below zero there has never been a better day for fluffy socks wear the socks they make you happy if a piano falls on your head today as you're sitting on the bed putting on the socks you'll be happy you're wearing the socks so it's that right it's that kind of stuff we play all those games with ourselves (laughs) my grandmother always used to say in fact right close she lived till she was 105.9 months okay so she was almost 106 and spry as could be And one of the things she said to me towards the end of her life was she looked at me and she's like, eat the cannoli. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, in other words, like, I was always watching my weight or whatever, you know, and she was like, do not, (laughs) do not deprive yourself of the cannoli. And I just thought it was the cutest thing. All right. You're invited over for for a cannoli and fluffy socks party. Just (laughs) come on over. (laughs) You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. And I'm talking with Kathy Anello. Uh, Her new book is Six Months to Live, Making Each Day Matter. You can find out more about Kathy and her work at kathyanello.com. Kathy, we said at the beginning of the show that every moment, every person, like every encounter, brings a gift for us and we bring a gift to it. Do you feel that's true even in the, like the tiniest encounters? Well, the tiniest encounter would just be the smile at the person in the bank, right? Like that's like the person that you say hi to that you don't really know why you're saying hi to. And honestly, when you ask that question, it actually makes me emotional because I absolutely do believe that even the smallest encounter can absolutely change your life. Or if you have that encounter, like say you let it pass by, you might never know what that encounter would bring. So I, yeah, I think every encounter matters because even the smile in the bank could lead to a conversation outside, could lead to anything. You just don't know. So it's, I think, being open to every encounter and seeing what the energetic draw between two people is, if if you feel that. And it's a way of bringing at least for me, a way of bringing my ability to be present into somebody else's. Maybe that smile, me noticing somebody and smiling at them is a way of me being in the present moment and it might bring them out of whatever their funk they're in. Exactly. Too. Yeah. You know, it's to me, that is that example of how we're all connected. So mm-hmm. even if I never, I smile at you in the bank and we never see each other again in that connection, there's always, there's a chance to share something. Um, well, that might have been the only smile that person got that day. And you don't even know what, you know, uh, you know, you, there's always that old quote that everybody's in their own battle inside and you never know what a person, that person happened to them an hour ago. And so I always just try to smile at everybody. And if I'm not in a smiling mood, like I just won't go around people, <laughs> which isn't very often because I pretty much smile every day. But <laughs> So what are some ways we can, we can put this into practice. We can eat the cannoli. We can smile in the bank. 
what are some other ways that we can put this into practice? Because what I got from your book was that this changed your life. It wasn't just how did I get through that time, right, when I when I lost that job. This was a complete shift in your life. How can we get some of that? Oh, well, you could read the book and do the exercises. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. one way for sure. Uh, I'm looking at this big, beautiful rainbow outside my window. I'll try to post it on Facebook later. But, uh, oh, my gosh. So for, for this particular, um, the chapter that we were going to talk about, Every Encounter Matters, I think it was about, when I thought about how this, what that chapter meant to me, I know, I don't know if you read that chapter, but there was a situation where I just was drawn to this person in a bar, and I sat down, and he was really crying in his coffee about how his wife and three kids had left him because he was an alcoholic, and he didn't know, you know, what to do, and I sat there, and I talked to him for two hours. And then I went home and my house had burnt down to the ground during that two hours. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like if I hadn't stayed that two hours, would I have come home to a normal, you know, would that not have happened? And at that moment, that day changed so many things in my life. When you lose everything and have to start fresh, it's like a life changing moment. And then I had heard later that he actually checked into rehab the next day. Wow still is with his wife today, which is, you know, a bazillion years later. And I'm like, what? Like that changed my life and that changed his life. Those, that two hour, I've never seen him again. I've never had a conversation with him again, but I will never forget him. And I'm very sure he'll never forget me. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean by there are some encounters that are unexplainable and they're there's a connection where if I hadn't walked, and I've never even gone to bars hardly during that time, and I just happened to go out that night. So it was all for me, like, when I looked back, and I was like, wow, that was so weird. But it wasn't, because it changed lives. Tell the listeners what were maybe the only couple of things that survived that fire. So, so really, the only thing I cared about was the pictures, obviously, of my kids and and. Three weeks later, when we were digging through the ashes, 10 of my photo albums had burnt together. So in the middle, I had all these baby pictures of each one of my children, and that was like the gold to me. And then two angel statues that sat right next to where I left candle burning, which is why my house burned down. And the two angel statues uh, survived, and they were ceramic. And one of them had a little bit of burn on it, but that was pretty much the only things that survived the entire fire. Everything else was ashes and gone. And that's crazy. It's but it's uh, I at least I see those things as signs, as um, as synchronicities, as as resonance. Right, yeah. something mm-hmm. deeper's happening here. As you pull the photo album out from the ashes, as you find the angel, as you hear that he went to rehab, as you were safe during the time that your house was burning down, something yeah. deeper's going on here, and these are the signs. And one of the things, at least as as I understood your work, the. One of the things about that six months to live means I am open to the deeper connections in everything. I know that not everything is as it appears on the surface. Right. Absolutely. And, and how exciting is that? <laughs> because you can take it up a level. Like, you know, you don't have to get so, like, uh, like your house burning down is a traumatic event, you know, um, Getting fired from a job is a traumatic. Leaving a, a long-term relationship is traumatic. You know, anything happening to anyone in your family, sickness or anything is traumatic. And so all these things are traumatic, but I, I think my process taught me that I can up-level that a little bit and go, okay, so this is happening and this is rough and I don't know how I'm going to get through this, but every day I'm going to wake up and do one thing to better myself 
because I want to live happy for whatever time I have left. So it's kind of an up-level way of living. You know, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm about 85%. There's certainly times when I, you know, regress. Right. Well, that's because you're a human. That's how it works here right. at Earth School, right? It's mm-hmm. we take a step forward and a step back. We're always growing and changing. It's never, at least, um, at least my life is not perfect. I never have periods of complete growth that don't have any setbacks in it. That's part of what it's like to be here is that we may never be all the way healed, but we are always on our way to healing, always able to experience that shift for listeners who are, who maybe have had dramatic occurrences, who are hanging on to stuff from the past, who are carrying that hurt. Is there what can you share with them if they're afraid of change, afraid to open their hearts, afraid to look at the question, what would I do if I had six months to live? That's really hard. I mean, you know, the student is ready when the student is ready. And I certainly, for me, needed a wake-up call to make that happen. So a traumatic event is a good time to kind of go, okay, what isn't working here in my life? And making that list and being really honest with yourself about what isn't working. And then I say, you know, now, obviously, it took traumatic, dramatic events for me to change. So now my advice would be to people, know what's causing the trauma or the drama or the ill feelings. Take a minute to inventory what little changes you can make to get to that ultimate big change. It might be as simple like, I want to leave my job. I know this is toxic. So I'm going to update my resume, and then I'm going to start, you know, going on to these job sites, you know, without letting anybody know, and just start making little steps. And then suddenly, someday, you're going to gain the courage to take that bigger step. I was one of those people that resisted change, resisted going, you know, making those decisions, and the universe ultimately would not allow me to not do it. So that's really what happens me till this year that still happened for me and I was like okay so some things you have to learn the hard way I don't want to do that anymore Mm. let the listeners know how they can find out more about you and your work where they can get the book just get in there and just plug your stuff so that we can find you okay so you can get me on amazon barnesandnoble.com balboapress.com you can find me on facebook caffeinello there's an author page six months to live making each day matter instagram caffeinello twitter (laughs) caffeinello snapchat by Invitation only. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know you're working on a new book. Can we, We've only got a couple minutes left, but I'd love to hear a little bit about what we can expect. Well, what's so cool is it's really about this subject. So the new book I'm writing is called The Happy Mistake, and it's really about how we reconcile our mistakes to understand where they got us where we are. And then I have like a variety of subjects on, you know, the romantic mistake, the 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 marriage mistake that like, like I take you through all these little mistakes that people make in their life and they think that they, Oh my God, I've blown it. But it turns out that I'm giving you a way to reconcile with yourself why those things happen so that you don't carry the weight of the past. You don't feel guilty because guilty really is just self care showing up. Like when you feel guilty, like it's really about you taking care of what's true for you. So it's like a lot of concepts that will allow you to really just find inner peace and, and move on from those dramatic, dramatic, traumatic mistakes that we think we've made because it's all connected in the end. Oh, my gosh. So that sounds really cool. I hope that you'll come back on to talk about the new oh, book and sure. to share more with the listeners. Kathy, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I loved it.
Thank you. That's Kathy Anello. She is the author of Six Months to Live, Making Each Day Matter. And you can find out more about Kathy and her work at kathyanello.com. And you can also find her on all those things that she said. I don't know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, I don't know, all those things. Um, find her everywhere, but start at kathyanello.com. And, of course, you're always welcome to check out KarenHager.com. That's a great place where you can find out about upcoming classes, including the new Heart of Abundance class, which is not quite ready for you. But I've recorded a two-and-a-half-minute little prayer, a little opening of the heart space. You can get that at KarenHager.com slash abundance. Heart of Abundance is not about money and getting more things. Heart of Abundance is about opening to the idea that our true abundance, our prosperity, starts inside us, starts in the present moment, starts when we put into practice some of the things that Kathy was just talking about. Are we here now? Are we loving who we love? Are we showing up in integrity? So when you go to KarenHager.com slash abundance, just drop your name and email in the little thing, and I'll send you that two and a half minute prayer to open up the Heart Center, and you'll also be on the waiting list to find out when the class registration opens. The class registration opens when I finish writing the class, so we'll see when that is. Um, and you can also book a private session there with me if you're so inclined and you'd like some intuitive guidance. Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.